Welcome to the Big Yellow School Bus, and here's your host, Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools. Welcome to the Big Yellow School Bus, Murray County Public Schools talk radio show and podcast on 103.7 FM. We're so glad you could join us today. We have special guests from Howell Elementary School. Let's let's get this correctly. It is actually... Go ahead. Dr. Ford's here with me, so you make sure you say it correctly. Yeah, Jack, the, na- the name's gotten a little bit long uh, over the last couple of years. It's Randolph Howell Elementary STEM School. We're really proud of that STEM part. Oh, we're, absolutely. We're one of, the, uh, one of the 62 designated STEM schools in the state. Hey, we're going to talk a little bit about more yeah. about that. So we are here with Randolph Howell STEM Elementary School. We have a few guests on the show with us today. Did I get it right? Elementary STEM School. It's Elementary good. You did STEM good. School. Good I'm getting better. I'll have it down before the end of the show, folks. Um, today I have with me, and you've already met and heard, uh, Dr. Michael Ford. Dr. Michael Ford is the principal at Howell Elementary. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Jack. On his side, next to him, is Miss Chelsea Abreu. She is the media specialist at Howell. Welcome, Chelsea. Thank you for having me. So glad you could come. Next to her, we have Tressie Crutchfield. She is a STEM teacher and welcome chris welcome tressy good to be here thank you and real quick what does stem stand for science technology engineering and math all right <laughs> we love acronyms everywhere in this world so i always try to um let people explain acronyms so people are listening understand and last but not least we have miss jessica vasquez she is the title one facilitator welcome jessica thank you excited to be here I'm excited to have you guys all here. And with this big of a crew, we should have plenty of things to share about Howell. Let me see. Randolph Howell Elementary, Elementary STEM School. Whew. That's a, it's a mouthful, isn't it, Coach? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love that um, I, I was um, part of one, a board meeting when you went to the board meeting and asked for the permission to change the name of the school and add STEM as, a, as part of your school. STEM is huge. Yes, sir. Um, it's something I wish we'd have had when I was young going to school because I would have really, really liked it. Um, so let's just kick it off right away. And I'll, I'll ask you to tell me a little bit, Dr. Ford, about what does that STEM designation mean mm-hmm. for an elementary school? I mean, obviously people get it in the older grades, but mm-hmm. it's it's really big at elementary. Yeah, so we had the oppor- or every school in the state actually has the opportunity to go for that designation. It doesn't cost anything. It's just an accreditation process through the Department of Education and uh, TSIN, Tennessee STEM Innovation Network. And it's a really cool opportunity for all schools at all levels, elementary, middle, or high school. But to answer your question at the elementary level, um, the way we have really tried to ground our work is to think about providing kids, exposing kids to certain cornerstones in their learning that can carry over from grade to grade. So, for example, we have an engineering design process that our team developed um, three years ago when we were going through the designation process. So kids are exposed to that engineering design process in kindergarten, and then that same learning will carry over all the way through fourth grade until they leave our school. So really with that process, kids learn how to be problem solvers. Uh, They learn how to use critical thinking skills. And then another cornerstone we have in our building is uh, collaboration and teamwork. So we teach kids at an early age the importance of working with others. You know, there always needs to be a time for that independent work, but also how do you work with others to solve problems? And that can carry over to their academics as well, to to their reading, math, so on and so forth. 
I, I really um, impressed with the the name change, and and I will get it straight here. I'm gonna actually going to write it down here so I don't make a, <laughs> make a mistake again. Um, the <clears throat> the fact that you have our STEM teacher, Miss Tressy Crutchfield, with us today. Tell us a little bit about what it means, and and for you, I mean, being the STEM teacher, you get to see probably all the students in the school, so you don't just teach a certain grade, right? Tell us a little bit about that. Right. So um, we are a pre-K to four school, but I see kindergarten to fourth grade. Um, At the kindergarten level, you're really teaching the basics of how to work together, how to share with your friends, how to just play with one another, and then think through a problem that you're faced with. By the time they get to fourth grade, they should be able to do more of the collaboration process and really work together to figure out what their strengths are and how to go about any problem they're faced with and find that solution together. Um, In STEM, we don't just focus on one part of that. We are incorporating not only the science but the technology parts. We have a ton of resources in our STEM lab that I was never exposed to as a child. And so right there with the students, I'm learning coding and robotics and circuits and all those things that are so important as an adult to know, but you're not, you're usually not exposed to that until you are an adult, but we're exposing these five-year-olds to this. And so we're setting them up for success in their future at a really early age. I think my grandson, he didn't go to Howell, but he, he uh, experienced some of that stuff because all of a sudden at Christmas time, he didn't want a toy. He wanted something he could put together. He wanted something way more advanced than I would thought he would ask for at his age. And he's in middle school now. So he's gone back into the phase of I need um, you know, something to do with Universal Studios or something yeah. like that. <laughs> but he really got into the STEM stuff because of what they were teaching in elementary school. And I thought that was I thought, man, I'm gonna have an engineering son, grandson in my family. He's gonna be really cool and smart. And I think he's still gonna be all those things. But I'm not sure where he's headed right now because the, the, it's not as focused as it was when he was in elementary school. I don't know if the listening audience realizes the extent of what we do in elementary schools related to STEM. So it's really cool. And, you know, and congratulations to be one of 62 STEM-designated schools across the state. That's, that's pretty, pretty amazing. And um, in our county, do you know if we have any other STEM-designated elementary schools? Yeah, we do. Uh, Mount Pleasant Elementary is a STEM-designated school, and then Battle Creek Elementary is also STEM-designated. Awesome. Yep. So we have three elementary schools out of the 62 in the state right here in Murray County. That's like saying we have three of the unit schools in our county out of, what, five or six? Yeah, actually, Jack, Mount Pleasant Middle and Mount Pleasant High School also have that designation. So we have five of the 62 all together. That is amazing. Um, and Miss um, uh, Tressy, um, the, the STEM designation, you said you teach all this, uh, the students. And so tell me what is, it, is the favorite thing that you see with the students? What is the STEM designation stuff, the STEM teaching that you do is probably the one that makes them light up the most? So the last two months, we've been really focused kind of hardcore and on coding because we have different robots that they are able to code. And I'm seeing um, mainly with my third and fourth graders, the older ones, they're at the level to where they're able to fully understand what coding is and then how it works and apply that to real life situations. And so the third and fourth grade teachers are actually jumping onto that. So after I've introduced and got them used to their coding, they're now using them in their own STEM classes 
Um, both our third and fourth graders, for example, over the next two weeks are doing the balloons over Broadway and making their own kind of Thanksgiving Macy's Day parade using our dashbots and different robots and coding their floats to go down the hallway and make their own parade. And so watching them really jump on coding this year and then watching the teachers see their excitement for that and then apply that in their own STEM classes too has been my favorite part this year so far, for sure. It sounds like fun. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you know if we're going to have any STEM expos this year? By chance, does anybody know? I, I don't know if we'll. <clears throat> excuse me, I don't know if we'll do that at the district level. Um, but we have a couple of STEM nights planned, especially after winter break at, okay. at our school. And yeah. you'll get those out via your social media. Oh yeah, yeah. And Everything you can find information on Facebook, Twitter, uh, website. Teachers okay. do a good job communicating yeah. out. And then the cool thing too, though, Tressie is not the only STEM teacher in our school. She has the official title. But actually, every teacher in the building has an embedded STEM block during the day. So every teacher in the building, um, all forty-two classroom, all forty-two teachers have opportunity to work with kids on STEM academics. And so Chelsea, our media specialist, Mike could speak to a little bit of what she does in the media center uh, with makerspace and co-teaching and some really cool things she does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the media center, we have it designed where the teacher comes with their class. And so we get to co-teach together on all sorts of different things. I try to, um, maybe one week we read a book and we share our thinking and, and me and the other teacher will bounce ideas off of one another throughout the read aloud, just sharing that thinking for the kids. And then the next week when they come in, I have this huge makerspace area in the library that's fantastic. Um, and they'll head over there and they'll have a project that goes along with our read aloud. So, for example, this week I'm reading the book Run, Turkey, Run to first grade. Makes sense. That's time of the year. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then, um, so it's about this turkey that's trying to run away and not be Thanksgiving dinner. And then next Good week plan. <laughs> they're going to create a Lego maze to get the turkey through all the obstacles like in the story and then into a hideout. But it's just really, it's so beneficial to have another adult in there at the same time because the kids are getting multiple feedback throughout the lesson and and two people to help support their learning and, and guide them and coach them. So, And I think the fun part, Jack, my son goes to our, to our school and he's in third grade, so I learned a lot about a turkey launcher uh, the other oh, night around yes. dinner. That was an activity they did. Shooter. Yeah, a turkey He called it a launcher shooter or whatever. <laughs> but it, it kind of changes the dynamics. You know, you spoke a little bit about, you know, your grandson, I think, wanting to have tech, tech tools and different mm-hmm, things because mm-hmm. of exposure. But it's also fun because there's a lot of things we do with kids to teach them how to use just like – you know, straws, cotton balls, tape, and a paper clip. You know, kind of, kind of like MacGyver. If MacGyver, remember, remember that, I was that, yeah. that exact yeah. So how, how do how do we how that. do we problem solve these different situations with just different tools you might find? And so what's neat about that is that early learning at the elementary level that can extend in the right setting. It can extend all the way through high school because not all kids are going to go to college, you know. But then also jobs now out in the real world, sometimes you have to figure out how to solve a problem with just a bag of stuff that doesn't really fit that, that scenario. You know, I'm just speaking loosely there, but it's really teaching these kids that the end goal here is not what's the coolest toy they can play with, or can they 3d print something for the cafeteria? The the end goal is how are we embedding critical thinking skills that'll serve them for the rest of their life? That that's a piece with STEM um, that people miss an awful lot. It, it's not about all the cool, fun, flashy stuff. The, the, the end process is that cognitive change that happens where we're teaching kids from, from really pre-K up 
how to be critical thinkers and how mm-hmm. to how to not get frustrated and shut down when they face a problem, but how to really work through that by themselves or with the help of others. I think this would actually help in all academics also. I mean, when you think about being critical thinkers, math comes to, to my, my first thought. Um, I wasn't really that great at math. I got through it and I got done and I did what I needed to do to get through math, but I by no means went out of the uh, planning to become an accountant. (laughs) Um, So I think the critical thinking portion of it and other aspects of uh, STEM-related teaching helps expand all the academic parts of learning, the reading, the the math, everything. And everybody's shaking their head. Uh, Yeah. Um, Miss Tressie, what what do you think about, is that that critical in, in, you know, nowadays, is that really, really big and a big help? Oh, 100%. Our kids are faced with issues every single day. Just think about the last two years and how many obstacles they've had to climb over with remote learning and um, the different things they've had to face coming back into school buildings and getting used to going back out in public and things returning to like a semi-normal of what it was before COVID hit. The critical thinking that we're doing in school is based solely around academics, but it's applicable to real life scenarios every single day. Um, And by our teachers teaching those critical thinking skills, they're also able to apply them themselves, which I think has really helped us overcome obstacles as adults, too, because I know I've learned a ton this year. Just mm-hmm. watching my kids have to work together and collaborate and think through things, it's made me step back and reflect on certain obstacles that I'm faced with, too, and how I can approach those a different way, a more positive way, and be a problem solver and come with solutions and not just a problem. And, and to me, and, and Jessica, I'm going to pull you into the conversation here. You've been down there nodding and, and smiling <laughs> and everything. Um you know, because um, Randolph Howell and many of our schools in our district are Title I schools, and, and Jessica, you're the Title I facilitator, these options to have these available are huge to every school. And especially when you're looking at all the Title I schools and having this extra capability to learn STEM and all that stuff. What are your thoughts on that, Jessica? Oh, I agree 100%. Our kids, some of them come from households that don't have access to any technology. They, Or if they do have technology, the kids go home and they sit on a screen because they have adults that are working 24-7. And so them learning how to use tools in school is exciting for them. It gets them excited about learning. But it also is teaching them real skills that they will need in the future so that they can better provide for themselves better in the future and go into the real life and have job skills that they might not otherwise get exposed to. Oh, very cool. Did you by chance get an opportunity to go to the Title I yard sale? No. I did, did you, you, did you hear about it? Yes. And I seen some pictures, and I'm like, wow, all this. And a lot of it um, related to McDowell closing, and, mm-hmm. and they had a surplus of uh, informa- or stuff available, and a lot of it was related to Title I um, um, stock or you know things. And it was pretty amazing. It was a... Free-for-all, yard sale, I, I think the price was free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just had to show up and, and be able to grab some stuff. And the Title I thing, there was so much good stuff there for the teachers to be able to get that um, that is always available at the Title I school. And since McDowell was closed, they had this big yard sale, they called it. And I was curious, since you were a Title I facilitator, if you were able to go. Um, Dr. Ford, did you get to go? I did not make it either, no. Oh, <laughs> me neither. They didn't invite me. They probably said he would have just taken all of our pens <laughs> because I'm always running out of pens. Um, so I'm really impressed with the STEM stuff. Um, and, and there's another aspect of STEM that is not talked about a whole lot yet, and that's the arts. And that turns STEM into STEAM. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you guys are all familiar with that, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yep. Now, at elementary school level, is that being talked about or implemented? 
Yeah, loosely, I think. Um, we've had some transition and growth. I mean, because of district rezoning last year, our school's grown exponentially. We've added uh, about 23 new teachers just from growth. Uh, and so we actually have a new music teacher who's got some really good ideas of how to start incorporating different STEM components into the music program. Our art teacher, Monique Smith, she is phenomenal. I've met I, Monique, I would yeah. I would put Monique up against any art teacher in the world. I think she is phenomenal in what she does with our kids. Okay. Um, but as far as like, I, I guess too, like it's important to realize STEM's not this separate thing we do. It, when you're a STEM school, it becomes your culture. You have a STEM culture. So the arts are included there. Uh, we, we chose not to pursue the STEAM designation. Um, we just kind of kept it purely STEM. You know, STEM, you could, when Discovery Ed used to work with us several years ago, they would talk about STEM is not science, technology, engineering, math. It's student, teachers, engaging minds. So there's lots of different ways you can play with the acronym. But um, the arts are a really cool part of our culture. Uh, it's a really important part. Our, our kids really respond well to music and art class. Um, and then we've also tied that into the media center too. You know, sometimes I think that piece is left out, but part of being a STEM school for us is having a, a 21st century library. And so that model in particular uh, lends itself to having things in there beyond the books. Books are extremely important. Literacy is important. We want kids to be able to read because if they can't read, they can't do anything we're talking about. Right. right? You've got, you mm -hmm. got to be able to have those basic skills. So that's a huge component as well. But you bring in things like a makerspace. And so when you have that makerspace area, as Chelsea talked about earlier, it gives her an opportunity to co-teach, work with teachers, help the teachers become more comfortable with different tech tools, but then also just kind of teach some good strategies of how to implement different things. Like if we want to do a field trip, um, help me out, Jessica. We've done different virtual field trips. Uh, I think we had NASA one time, some NASA mm -hmm. um, engineers or something, Skype in with some kids, Zoom in with the kids. So there's, there's lots of tools and techniques and technologies we've had really exposure to because of the pandemic the last year and a right. half that we still implement because you can get a lot out of a virtual field trip. You know, we had, um, there was one grade level that did a zoom field trip with uh, a zoologist. I think it was a zoologist somewhere like in South America, South Africa. Wow. I can't remember doing some different stuff with, with monkeys and things. So, um, just different experiences for kids they wouldn't typically get. Yeah. We're going to talk a little bit about the, after the break, we'll be taking a break here soon, but we're going to talk about the purpose of the media center library and the STEM schools and some of the things that are going on because libraries aren't just libraries anymore. Mm -hmm. um, if I go to any library in Murray County public schools from elementary through high school, the libraries are now a focus point. Mm -hmm. They're, they're way different than when I was a child, you walked in the library, the librarian said, shh. <laughs> But, Not at Howell. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't happen anymore. It seems like the library, it is a place to go read, but people aren't deterred as much as they used to be when they're sitting reading a book by a little bit of background noise. Um, so it used to be in the years ago that you had to be walking on eggshells and be very quiet and whisper everything. So I want to talk a little bit more about what is the library and media center in this day and age at, at the elementary school, at, at, particularly at Howell. And I like to just call you Howell because it's shorter than me saying <laughs> Randolph Howell Elementary STEM School, okay? And I did get it right because yeah, I wrote it down. Good job, good job. Um, so we're going to talk a bit more about that, and we're going to talk a little bit more about the transformations to engage students in learning and things along that line. So we are here with Randolph Howell Elementary STEM School. I have Dr. Ford, Miss Crutchfield, Miss Vasquez, and Miss Abreu. We'll be back with them in a moment after these words from our sponsors. 
Don't go away. Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools will be right back after these messages from our sponsors. WKRM 103.7 FM and 1340 AM. Front Porch Radio from Mule Tennessee. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Hi, I'm Robert Rogers at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. And I'm Michael Parks Lawrence at Parks Motor Sales Buick GMC. Together, we're Mr. Bobby Parks' grandsons, and we run his dealership, and we are glad to be part of our local community. Being family-owned and operated, we invest heavily in our community. We do things like sports teams, schools, bands, you name it. We try to help everybody we can. The reason why we do this is because we all love this community. So come do business with us, your neighbors, at Parks Motor Sales in Columbia, Tennessee, right off Nashville Highway, or at ParksMotorSales.com. Hello, I'm Barbara Lincoln with Holland's Pharmacy. You may have heard our previous commercials about compression hosiery that we carry at Holland's Pharmacy. Well, we've recently expanded into a full line of knee braces, back, wrist, ankle, and other support wear. We will gladly help you get just the right fit for these items and, of course, special order items to ensure the proper fit. Come see us at Holland's Pharmacy, 1608 Hatcher Lane, or call us at 931-388-4233. 388-4233. Hi, this is Steve, the Garbage Man. Our company, The Garbage Man Incorporated, has been advertising on WKOM and WKRM for years now, and as a result, our company has really grown. Now we're looking for young, healthy, hardworking people to grow with us. We are in need of drivers and helpers. We pay serious money. So if you like outside work and want to work for a great local company, call me at 931-540-0919 and let's talk. Columbia Foodland is a locally owned and operated family grocery store with a full line of dry, dairy, frozen, meat, and produce items. We focus on keeping the freshest hand-cut meat and produce items daily with the most competitive prices in town. We offer weekly ad specials as well as in-store weekly specials throughout the store. Located at 427 West 7th Street in Columbia in the former Harris Foodland location. Columbia Foodland. We are here and ready to serve the wonderful people of Columbia and the surrounding areas. I've got a math question for you. When you add tolerance, subtract prejudice, and multiply efforts to treat one another with respect, what do you get? Less division. And school sports have it down to a science. Looking for an example of what can happen when we realize there's more that unites us than divides us? Look no further than high school sports in Tennessee. This message presented by the Tennessee Secondary School Athletic Association and the Tennessee Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association. Welcome back. You're listening to the Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools. Welcome back to the Big Yellow School Bus. Our guests today are from Randolph Howell Elementary STEM School. I have Michael Ford. Welcome back, Michael. Thanks, Jack. That's Dr. Michael Ford, by the way. (laughs) And then I have um, the... Let me see. Media specialist. I had to, I don't I don't have them in the order where I've written them down. Miss Chelsea Abreu, welcome. Thank you. Then I have Miss Tressy Crutchfield, the STEM teacher. Yes. And last but not least, Miss Jessica Vasquez, Title One facilitator. Yes, sir. I'm so glad you guys are on the show. What a great um, conversation we had at the at the first 20 minute segment. Um, let's talk a little bit more, Miss um, Abreu, about the 
purpose of a media center, library, and a STEM school, and it's not just a STEM school, but it is important part of your um, STEM, but libraries aren't what they used to be. I think we talked a little bit during the break, and I had to walk in on eggshells and be very quiet, and, you know, it was just libraries were meant to be shh, and they're not anymore. They're, they're, they're actually a focal point of a school now. So tell us a little bit about the purpose of a media center, library, and a STEM school. Yeah, that I want to start with what you'd said about traditionally libraries are a place where librarians are shushing everyone who walks through the door, and that's not the culture anymore. Um, and that has been a shift in thinking for all of the adults in our building because sometimes they still come in and they're like, this is the library, you guys. And I'm like, no, it's okay. You can talk. <laughs> you can have fun. Um And so the library is really the hub of our school. It's where um, teachers come in, they make copies, there's always candy back there. Um, We have a lunch group that hangs out in there, but also the kids. We have open checkout where they're allowed to come in in the mornings um, and browse for books. And then... um, So are you technically the librarian? I am tech... Well... Technically, I'm the library media specialist. Okay. So not just a librarian. Because in my notes here, I've got <laughs> media specialist. Yes. And I was thinking after hearing you talk that you were the librarian. Yes. yes. And I remember our librarian when I was in elementary school. She was the nicest lady, but she had the whitest hair you ever seen. <laughs> Mine did, too. <laughs> <laughs> and, of course, you're much younger, and, and you really are telling us now that media center library are a focal point. Go ahead and let, go ahead and elaborate some more on that. Yeah, absolutely. So obviously we have books. We're still a, a library in that sense, but we have this makerspace that has um Okay, hang on. Makerspace. Define that. It's where you can go and use your creativity to make and create and explore. I like that. It's the makerspace. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. The kids love it as well. Um, but over there, I have different STEM bins. So that could be like Lego bricks, cubes, Kiva planks. There's a whole variety of STEM bins that we can use to build things with. Um, I have science tubs where they can do science experiments. Um, There are three doodler pens. So those are super cool. It's just a pen that you can, um, it has some plastic inside, and you make a creation. It's it's a 3D writing pen, right? It is, yes. I've seen those when they first, it was like, I think it was last year, they had um, the company come and introduce them and show how it was, and I was like, Oh, I so want to play with that. But all these kids were in the way, so I had to sit back and watch. But that was still fun. Yes. It looked very cool. Dr. Ford, have you tried it? Yeah, I have. Uh, And so like the three doodler pins, that's a way we introduce some of our younger kids into 3D printing technology. So as the kids get older and get a little bit more independence, uh, we have 3D printers in our building. It's something you typically don't see in an elementary school. But we started that work, uh, gosh, three, four years ago, I would think, trying trying to introduce the kids to that. And then, like, I always go back to we, we made it competitive. So which grade level could get their own 3D printer? They had to come up with a problem in the school that they could solve using a 3D printer. So fourth grade got it first because uh, the cafeteria staff needed help getting more measuring spoons and things like that. So there wasn't money to buy that, but we could 3D print them if we used the right kind of plastic that was Mm -hmm. food safe. 
but the kids designed the own measure their, the measuring spoons and the things that the cafeteria staff needed, and so they got their printer first. But that's too the cool. young the younger they are, something like a three doodler is more appropriate because it's more intuitive for the kids at that. Kind age. of more my my speed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it looks so much fun, like so much because you could actually draw a line up in the air, and it would just stay there, and you could connect it to other things, and it was like. You really need to if 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 you're listening to the show, you got to at least go online and look at this. It is such a cool tool for the the students, especially at elementary level. Jessica, well, we've had first graders that have actually created 3D windmills. Like they've learned about energy sources, and they actually built 3D windmills that were just a few inches tall because they are struggling with learning how to do supports, and that was a big skill. But they could actually spin, and it showed what a windmill would, would look like with the 3D doodler. Mm-hmm. Jack, wow. Jack, you can come out anytime. Really? Yeah. Okay. We'll, set, we'll set you up. You heard it one. here, folks. Yeah. I got the offer. Mike, you ready to go with me? Yeah, yeah. Mike's like, yeah, I'll yeah, come with you, Jack. We'll yeah. go out there. Um, old, what we could do is we I'm could that old-fashioned English teacher that, you know, pen and paper, you know, type thing. And um, we tried to start incorporating in my last few years uh, some some different things. Uh, wasn't quite the hands-on tool, tool pieces and stuff, but it was uh, – uh, for instance, in, you know, we were studying the novel 1984. Mm-hmm. I would hand out pieces of paper to all my students. Three of them were policemen. Three of them were black market booksellers, and everybody else was John Q. Citizen. The three cops were supposed to find the three black market guys. The black market guys were supposed to try to make as much money off of the regular <laughs> citizens as they could without getting caught, which is basically the premise of the book. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, but it was a hands-on type thing it was getting, get involved stuff like that. It, it added a level of understanding to what was going on, you know, and the, and the problem solving, uh, an example of the carry on, uh, was when we went to central the other day, they were getting ready to do their live, uh, newscast their yeah, uh, the Big L school bus went yeah. on location, not and, live, but we went on location yeah. to their media center and took but, all this stuff with us, well, most of it. But they were getting ready to do their live news, you know, their announcement broadcast and stuff like that, and, and they were running into some issues with their programming situation. And it was amazing to me to watch the teacher just kind of sat back at the window <laughs> and let them do it. And they, the, the kids themselves, figured out what the problem was, what was causing the problem, and then they fixed the problem, yep. all in a space of about four minutes because they had to be on the air in five. Right. <laughs> and it was, you know, hey, here's real life problem solving. You know, they, they had to get a broadcast on in a within a deadline, and got it up and got it going when they were having some issues, and it was, you know, listen to you all. Okay, you're starting that down in, in the elementary. Yeah, that's so what I was just going to say. To them, yeah. so to them, it's it, it was that was all part of the class. That was just part of doing it. That's well, where it, it starts, and that's what STEM is. Like yeah. we get caught up on that acronym, the STEM or STEAM or STREAM that we did this summer. And honestly, STEM and STREAM and all it's just getting the students engaged and bought in and understanding that what we're doing in school is actually applicable to real life. So it doesn't the acronym feels so boxed in and that's not what it is you see stem every day mm-hmm. regardless of if it's in a school or out in public or anywhere like it's not you're not boxed into those letters right it's 
whatever. Yeah, it, it kind of made me jealous as a, as a teacher because most of my students don't realize the writing skills that you need until mm-hmm. they actually get out in the job. Mm-hmm. And they're, then they're like, oh, that's what you've been trying. You know, they'll come back after, after graduation and say, oh, that's what you were trying to get me to say. Yeah, that's what it, that's what it was all about. With the, with the STEM, they're actually coming to that realization in time yeah. where you actually have a chance to maybe so it, now you've got your attention, you can adjust some things. Mm-hmm. So it's safe to say that a lot of the things we're starting here in elementary school relating to STEM, STEAM, STREAM, whatever, that boxed-in word, um, <laughs> um, starts early. And I don't know if these students that we were with um, on the show from the high school had been through these types of programs, but it was evident that they were experiencing and using those types of tools right now. Um, so that's very cool. Um, there's so much positive to be said about you know teaching in this parameter with the STEM. It's not just in the STEM classroom, right? Right. Dr. Ford? That's right. Yep. It's something you incorporate in, in pretty much every classroom you have in mathematics and English. And, and um, I don't know all the classes there, so I can't pretend to go on with the list. I'm, I'm sure you guys could help me out there. Um, but that's part of it. Mm-hmm. So did I have a question for you, Miss um, Abreu. Did you cover that co-teaching much? You said how it was nice that they come into the classroom and you're able to do things together, right? Is that yes. what you were referring to? Yes. Okay. Because yep. I have that down in my notes to make sure I talk about co-teaching. And that's something you do in the media center in the it library. Is. With the, when the class comes, the teacher comes with them, and then that's our co-teaching time. All right. In my notes here also, Dr. Ford, I have, how do we utilize transformations to engage students in learning? Who wants to take that one? I'll take that All one. All right, Miss Jessica. <laughs> this is one of my passions, and I think it's so exciting. Um, so a lot of people, when they think of transformations, they think of like visual changes to a classroom. And so that's a huge component of it. If you can change something little in your classroom, the kids act like it's the biggest thing in the world. Um, so if we were doing a unit on say space, cause that's one of my most the exciting units to go with my NASA earrings I'm wearing. Um, if you're doing a unit on space, you could hang planets from your ceilings and the kids just get so excited because something has changed. Something is novel about the class. And so then they come in and they're ready to learn. And it's the whole point of it is engagement and getting the kids excited about their learning. So you could do visual changes in your classroom, just something small in the environment. Um, and then you could also tie your lessons to something real life. Like the kids are not going to remember every math lesson they do. But if they are able to apply their fractions learning to a cooking lesson and wear a chef's hat while they're doing it, they're going to remember that. And so we talk at our school about making it to the dinner table. And so that's from um, an educator, Steve Spangler. And he says, if you can make it to the dinner table, you've done something correctly. Because most students go home and their parents ask, what have you done for work? Or what did you do at school? And it's, eh, Nothing. I didn't learn anything, but if you can have those lessons that are truly exciting and engaging, the kids are going to go home and they're going to talk to their parents about how they got to take a virtual field trip to mm-hmm. the planet Mars, and they and then they can talk about what they learned on Mars and how they applied their reading and their social studies and their math to whatever topic you're focusing on. I think Dr. Park can relate to that, and I can relate to that as a grandfather because I have um, a, d- a granddaughter right now in elementary school. And she comes over every other weekend and spends time with Friday to Sunday evening. Mm-hmm. And first thing she wants to tell me about is everything that happened in the last two weeks at school <laughs> and all the cool things that are happening. And she starts going on, and I'm like, really? You do that at school? And she's very animated about what happens at school. And 
I'm impressed that the fact that she doesn't like weekends anymore. <laughs> she would rather be at school because at her age, this is so engaging. It's so much fun. There's so many cool things to do, like the transformations you're talking about, Jessica, in the classrooms where everything changes. Yeah. Like uh, I – sorry. Go ahead. Um, I One of my favorite transformations is a Jurassic Park, and we've been on the Daily Herald for it before because – we do it the very, or I've done it personally, at the very end of the school year where those last few weeks you have kids that are they're ready for summer break, they're tired of each other, teachers are exhausted and ready for summer break ourselves. Um, so I've changed my classroom into Jurassic Park for the last two weeks of school, and the kids are just as excited as they are on the first day of school because they're suddenly going into Jurassic Park in the classroom. We have music and we have lessons, and we're working on skills still up until the very end of school. That is very cool. That that transform. I'd like to see this Jurassic Park thing. I, I think I have to go back on your social media and check out some of the pictures from last year. Um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a big fan of the Jurassic Park um, uh, movie uh, franchise. It's been a fun show to watch, um, and I always have had a fascination with dinosaurs. I mean, I, ever since I was in elementary school, mm-hmm. Doctor Ford's yet he's he's he's. Uh, you have a third grader. I have a third grader. Yes, sir. Oh, you, you're you're loving dinosaurs yeah, probably yeah, yeah, right yeah. now. Um, I really like that. And and I asked my daughter, who's who's a teacher, elementary school, fourth grade, why do you need me to help you buy all this different stuff throughout the year? Because she does. And I'm thinking now I understand a little bit more. She transforms her classroom throughout the year to different um, themes. Yes. Yep. And this really helps the students. And it's not that it's a ton of money. She doesn't make a ton of money, but she always says, Dad, do you want to help out? And she'll send me an Amazon list. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, cool. And I, and I actually get that vibe where I say, oh, cool, I get to pick out some of this stuff. <laughs> and I'll pick out what I thought is the coolest things for the classroom, and I'll just have them sent right to her. And that's the way I help with her and her career teaching is through the transformations that you just explained. So that's very cool. I really, really like that. Anybody else have anything to share about transformations in school? Because I didn't realize the depth of it until you just explained it to me, Jessica. It, it, it goes back to some of the different research that we've incorporated as well throughout our STEM journey um, because it's everything's research-based. It has to be. You've got to have evidence that things work with kids, and it can't just be how we feel. Or And, you know, sometimes we'll get flack for, oh, well, that's cute, but they're not learning anything. But actually they are. You know, oh, yeah. kids are learning a ton. And so we – a lot of times we'll talk about rigor, relevance, and relationships. And, and, and with that with that particular research strand, you, you can't have the relevance or the rigor if you can't build a relationship with a kid. And then once those relationships are there, you can start making the learning re- relevant to them. And once the relevance is there, that rigor can increase exponentially. So we're talking about making the learning relevant. Anytime you do a transformation at any level, um, it's making it engaging. It's making it relevant to the kids. So, you know, with our Jurassic Park piece, we, we have had to scale it back a little bit over the years. We've had a few years we did school-wide transformation with Jurassic Park. And, and that was really fun because – we took that opportunity to expose kindergarten students to first grade standards, first grade to second grade, fourth grade kids got exposure to fifth grade standards. So just kind of increasing that rigor piece. But then we got a little bit too overboard. So the fire marshal got involved, kind of, made, we had to scale some <laughs> things back. So, you know, that, and that's okay. Yeah. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe we'll get some flexibility there. But he didn't like all that. He didn't like all that paper hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> something, something like that. Yeah. 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 Uh-oh. So, uh, but anyway, we, we actually now we'll do, we have built in, I think, what is it, it's at least four oh, wow. school-wide transformations, scaled back a bit. But we did one back in September. Um, we transferred everything into Super Mario World. 
And so I the was kid, there yeah, for that. Yeah, the yeah. kids loved it. In and fact, so, I was, Caliente Glenn was in the hallway, and I walked in, and I was doing something, and I had on a blue jacket, and she goes, oh, you got the perfect color on today? <laughs> and she made me take a picture. Yeah. 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 And I was like, very cool. Tell us, Jess. Well, I was just going to add to that part of, I mean, Mario was really cool because uh, the kids love Mario. So if you can find a topic that they're passionate about, um, you can turn any lesson into Mario. And that's what I love so much about transformations because the teachers might not actually decorate their classrooms. We could just have the hallway decorated. But if instead of writing a paragraph that you had to write anyways, you can say, well, you have to write this paragraph to help Mario save Princess Peach. And so I shared a PowerPoint with everybody where they were able to turn their lessons into a Mario storyline. And so it's nothing different. The kids don't even realize that they're doing the same exact thing or the same exact worksheet or math page. They're excited to do it because they're saving Princess Peach or they're escaping Bowser or whatever that day's lesson was. Wow, you're really good with that. You remember the names and everything. <laughs> uh, I, I started I started thinking the music in my head <laughs> yeah. when you guys started talking about dun, 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 dun. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a really hard one to hum, of course, but I, it, it came to mind immediately. And I had fun there that day watching some of the excitement on the kids. Yeah. I, I think I was there for something at the breakfast or something, but... Um, uh, oh, we're getting the two-minute warning. Um, I think if I could just say real quick, two-minute warning or not, the, the relevance piece, though, is also cool because it also extends to the teachers. And and it, what, what happens with the transformations that I've seen that's encouraging, teachers get more engaged with, with teaching again. You know, it's really hard to be a teacher right now. And so that gives them something to look forward to. It gets them away from the prescriptive curriculum we have to do because of the state or whatever. But um, it, it helps. I've just seen some teachers that are burned out, and this this gives them an opportunity to actually teach, have fun again. We're still hitting the standards, doing it in a more creative way, um, and that engages everybody. So it, it's good for the lifeblood of the school. And like Jessica said, um, it actually is is helping the students learn. Mm-hmm. When you start to remember things and when your son or daughter or granddaughter comes home and just has to tell you about what happened to school instead of, what'd you do at school? Oh, nothing. Mm-hmm. They actually are excited to share it. It's 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 a huge, huge deal. So um, you, you obviously you can tell I got a little bit excited myself about that, <laughs> just learning more about what it is because I think that's the first time that it's yep. come up on the show where we talked about that uh, part of uh, education where you use the visualizations and everything to help the students out. And especially at elementary school, that's a huge, huge plus. I, I can't tell you how much I'm really, if you can see my face, I'm really quite happy right now just thinking about all this stuff and, and, and understanding that I'm actually doing a big favor to my daughter by helping her out with um, yep. buying the transformational stuff. Well, that's it for uh, this edition, or not this edition, but and we have to go to break. So I'm being told by the producer here, give us some time for some sponsors. We'll be back after this moment. Don't go away. Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools will be right back after these messages from our sponsors. It's time to put a Dodge in your garage. And at Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, you can count on us for all the muscle you need. We have a huge inventory to choose from, from the spine-tingling 2021 Dodge Charger SRT to the 2021 Dodge Challenger Superstock. You can even save time and buy online with our online shopping tool. Yep, at Columbia Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram, we're flexing our Motor City muscle. 
You can count on us online at ColumbiaCDJR.com. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning is built to a higher standard so you can focus on the problems in your life that actually matter, like the drywall that somehow isn't. American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning, built to a higher standard. Call Davis Heating and Cooling at 931-388-2090 for all your home comfort needs. Davis Heating and Cooling is your local American Standard dealer and proudly serves the Murray County area. Find Davis Heating and Cooling online and on Facebook or call today, 388-2090. I wish I may, I wish I might, have the wish I wish tonight. Hello, this is Terry Tillis from Tillis Jewelry. We want to make all your wishes come true. Ladies, let's face it, sometimes we need to give a little help to our loved ones. Tillis Jewelry makes it easy, and Christmas is right around the corner. It's the perfect time to stop by and put your favorite vintage, colored gemstone jewelry, or the all-time favorite diamond jewelry on your wish list. Then leave the rest to us. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for our latest creations. Are you thinking about a new fence? Maybe you need a pole barn. Then you should give Sands Fence Company a call. That's 931-309-1644. Will Sands has built his business based on the principles of honesty, quality, and integrity. Sands Fence Company has been in business for over 20 years, providing the community with farm, residential, and commercial fencing, as well as pole barns and buildings. Call today for a free estimate. Sands Fence Company, 931-309-1644. 931-309-1644. This is folks singer Michael Jonathan. I live in a log cabin with a big front porch. I like to pick my banjo on it. I have a syndicated live audience radio show called Wood Songs. We treat it like a multimedia front porch. It airs on WKRM Radio 103.7 FM, Friday afternoons at 4 and Saturday mornings at 7 and on WKOM 101.7 FM, Saturday evenings at 6. It's Front Porch Radio and the Wood Songs Old Time Radio Listening to WKRM, 101.7 FM and 1340 AM, Front Porch Radio from Yuletown, Tennessee. Welcome back. You're listening to the Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb with Murray County Public Schools. Welcome back. We are here with Randolph Howell Elementary STEM School with Dr. Michael Ford. Welcome back, Michael. Thanks, Chuck. Uh, we have Tressie Crutchfield. Welcome, Tressie. Thanks. Jessica Vasquez. Hello. And Chelsea Abreu. Hey. All right. What a great um, uh, insight to what's going on in some of the elementary education and what it, and about STEM school. But I do have a question about something here. And how does the engineering and design process and teamwork and collaboration rubrics, how do they become cornerstones of your work around STEM? And before you answer the question, somebody can answer the question, but I have a big question about that question. What is a rubric? I don't think everybody in our listening audience would necessarily know what a rubric is. Um, I don't mind talking on that. So a rubric is kind of where you're laying out your very specific, explicit expectations. So academically, it could be if you're writing a rubric for a paragraph, think paragraphs, that's big in like third and fourth grade, how to write a good paragraph. It could be like you get five points for capital letters at the beginning of your sentences. You get five points for having a topic sentence, and you're laying out exactly what the expectations are. So that's really important when you're working with students, especially at this age level with STEM, because when you say you guys need to learn to work together, that 
doesn't mean a lot to them. They don't know what that explicitly looks like. So we have a teamwork rubric that we got. It was called the Buck Institute. I think it's called something else now. But we have um, different versions, and it's as simple as I can do my work for my team on time. I can be respectful to my teammates. And so we have it in every single classroom. Our lower grades have very – it's even more simplistic. It's like got smiley faces. Um, But it allows the teachers to have a tool to use to show your students what working together and collaboration actually looks like. So when they're in the middle of whether it's a reading activity, math activity, a STEM activity, if they're having any issues, if somebody's playing around or somebody's not helping or they're not talking to each other, you can send them to the rubric to look at, and it's – very clear what they're supposed to be doing. So, Mike, if I, go, ahead. go ahead. If I may interject, it's one. It's probably one of the best ways, or it's the the most consistent way of when you're doing a subjective grading situation, mm-hmm. where it's kind of it does come down to the teacher's opinion about how you're doing. It's a objective way to do a subjective grading. A good measuring stick. Yeah, it's a good measuring stick, but it's also not a right and wrong. You know, you, you, with math test, it's, you know, you got the answer right, you got the answer wrong. Right. You know, you know, two plus two. You put four, you get it right. You put anything else, you got it wrong. With a rubric, it's kind of like, okay, here's these stages of, mm-hmm. you know, this is good, and this is this is okay, but it could be better. This is not so good, and this is horrible. You know, and so you've got these stages of, of success. For me, it was because I had to do so much subjective grading gotcha. that, that I did not want to be unfair. So, and that was the measuring. I just step. wanted to make sure everybody knew what a rubric was. But now back to the actual question. Um, engineering, engineering and design process and teamwork collaboration are cornerstones of work around STEM. Somebody want to elaborate on that? We don't have a lot of time yet left. so Okay, I can, I can take that one. All right. Um, so when we started the work with the designation process, we wanted to think about what would, how would STEM become a part of our culture? So those are, those are two different tools. And Jessica spoke very well about the rubrics and how we use those. The engineering design process has got five stages and, and kids are walk through each one of these stages. It's, there's some teaching that has to occur there, but basically we want to teach kids if they're presented with a problem, any problem, um, first think about the solution. So imagine what the solution could be. Then the next stage is you're going to create, you're going to create that, you know, so whatever problem you're trying to solve, you'll create that solution. And that might be making, making it out of popsicle sticks and tape. You know, it, it could be a variety of things. But then you have to experiment to see if that solution works. So, so is it really going to work or not? And then there's some trial and error there. So if it doesn't work the first time, you may have to go back and create again. You may have to start over till you get the solution that works. Then um, you share your learning. So that audience participation, how do we bring in people from the community, whether that's parents, business sponsors, whatever. Kids can share their learning. They get some of those presentation skills. So if they have to go on the big yellow school bus, they feel comfortable talking, you know, because they're used to presenting to an audience. So we teach them how to do that, even at the elementary level. And then they reflect on their learning. So how, how did they gain something out of this situation? And then you start all over. You start back over with that imagine, imagination piece. Excellent. That's a great, great answer to that question because that seemed more complicated. And thank you for explaining the rubric, Jessica. Um, it's something that I, I, I really did not completely understand when I started working here, and, I'm, and that was a great explanation. So thank you for that. So we're, we're, we're running limited on time and for the end of the show here, so I want to jump right into our shout-outs. 
So I'm going to go around the table, and Michael, Dr. Ford, you're on my left here, so I'm going to start with you. What is your shout-out today? I think my shout-out, Jack, is going to go to all the other administrators in Murray County, all the other principals and assistant principals. Um, for whatever reason, this year seems harder than the COVID year did last year. You know, the pandemic kind of whipped all of us the last couple of years, but my colleagues, the other principals and assistant principals, are working tirelessly, and I appreciate each and every one of them and the dedication they show to our kids on a day-to-day basis. What a great team we have here at Murray County Public Schools. All right. Um, make sure I get your name right. Uh, Chelsea. Yes. I would love to shout out our music teacher. Her name is Allie Johnston. She is new to us this year in Murray County, um, but she brings such a positive, fun energy to our school, not only to our kids, but to our faculty. Like she will run through the halls and randomly yell, Woo! As loud as she can. Um, and so we we just really appreciate... That's my kind of person. ...her energy and enthusiasm, and she gets out and she's Maybe we could have rest. her come to Central Office on a Monday morning. Yes. We could do that. She, all right. <laughs> she would love it. What a great shout-out. And Miss Tressy. Yeah, so I just want kind of to build off what Dr. Ford was shouting out with the whole principals. I think our school and our teachers and our staff, they have it's been a tough year. It's been much harder, I feel like, this year than it has in the past. And they show up every day, do good work. They take care of their kids. The students are learning despite all the challenges that our teachers are faced with and our students are faced with. And so just as a whole, um, Randolph Howell has really stepped up and is working hard this year. And I think our teachers deserve that shout out. Excellent shout out. Very good. Miss Jessica. Um, I want to build on those and give a shout out to our assistants. So you mentioned Caliente a few minutes ago for Mario. She yes. is new to our school. Um, she is uh, kind of like Allie. She's got a lot of energy, a lot of positivity. Oh my she gosh, does that lady have a lot of clothes. energy? Yes. <laughs> yeah. yes. And so we have some amazing assistants at our school. Brett's another one who is so valuable to our students. Like he's really smart. and He'll just bring up these random facts that correlate with what we're doing. But he's a huge asset to our school as well. We have some other amazing assistants. Excellent shout outs. And, and I met Caliente through Leadership Murray. Oh. And I was like, wow, who is this lady? And she's she goes, and she's involved in everything. She said, we were, <laughs> yeah. we're like Ken. We work, both work for Murray County Public Schools. And I'm like, I'm in. Let's, <laughs> let's talk more. And so yes. we got to know each other a little bit. And I became friends with her. And she's um, one of those people that are actually fun to follow on social media. Yes. And because she's post so many amazing, great, uh, exciting things. So um, I'll go ahead and let you do your shout-out, Mike. I'm going to kind of go off the beaten path to a beaten path. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to our city road crew who finally, after two years, uh, got to pave West 7th here in front of the station. Yes, uh, we've gone from bombed-out craters to now we actually have a smooth road with stripes. yeah, we can see it in the front window. Yeah, it's it's, amazing. it's uh, it is so much nicer to drive up and down, and uh, they they reminded me a lot of my high school students. Uh, this week was the last week; their deadline was this Sunday <laughs> to get the paving done by state law. If they don't get it done by this Sunday, they have to wait till April fifteenth of the next year. And we were sweating it here at the station, going, <laughs> "Okay, you know, rain here and there, cold weather." They also have to have it above forty degrees. And when they got this little wind uh, weather break here this week, they jumped on it. And t- much to their credit, in three days, they have they paved this this whole thing, got it painted, and done a, a really good job. So, 
uh, yay, the project is you know, done. It's only a year and a half late, but it's, you know. That's a great shout out to West 7th Street. On my way to work today, I actually went the long way so I could try out the new paving. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is good. I like this. So I might take that route a little more, more often. My shout is out is going to be to the team here in the room right now. This This group right here, they've done an amazing job. They're administrators. They are teachers. They are people that make a difference in schools. They make a difference in people's lives, the little people in our lives. I love going to the schools and hanging out with the little people. So my shout out is to you all here today and everybody that makes a difference teaching. And I've done this before, but I am passionate to say that it is the greatest gift to be able to go out there and be able to teach somebody and to watch them grow. And to to have them send you a message 10 years from now and say thank you, because it's going to happen to somebody. They're going to get messages from somebody they're so appreciative. So my shout-out is to all the school teachers and administrators. Well, that's it for this edition of the Big Yellow School Bus. I want to thank Randolph Hall Elementary STEM School for coming and joining the show. We really appreciate it, and we will be back next week. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to the Big Yellow School Bus with your host, Jack Cobb, with Murray County Public Schools. Hop on the Big Yellow School Bus every Saturday morning at 9 a.m., Sundays at 7 p.m., and Mondays at 4 p.m. to hear more about what's going on at Murray County Public Schools right here on WKRM, 103.7 FM and 1340 AM. 